If you all open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 11, please. I was uh, giving some thought earlier uh, today, actually while I was driving over here about September. It's been a good month in my life. Um, Forty years ago, on September 25th, actually, I went to work at a place where I wound up uh, learning the profession that I've used to take care of our family now for uh, the 38 years that we've been married and um, 40 years of working there. And then the, one of the best things that came out of it was I got surrounded by some young Christian men who took an interest in me and kept inviting me to go to church. And a year later in September, I don't remember the exact day, but I accepted the Lord as my Savior um, 39 years ago. And then... Uh, Thirty-eight years ago, in the month of September, the Lord laid it on my heart to uh, volunteer to be used as the church wanted to use me as a teacher. And the Lord's had me teaching ever since then. So September's been a, a good month for me, and I thank God for the things you look back on. My mother, uh, you know, the Bible tells us to never forsake our father's friends. Uh, in the Old Testament, and I've, I've thought about that verse a few times, and I wondered, you know, well, why should that be in there? And it tell, and I got to thinking of what my friends have meant to me through my life, and how they've helped me get over hard times, and been a joy to me when I was going through different trials. And you get to thinking, as a child in a home. Uh, you, reap, you reap the benefits of your father and your mother having friends that can be an encouragement to them when they're going through hard times. That way dad don't come home and whoop the kids and the kids kick the dog and the dog chases the cat. You know, those things can be avoided. And, uh, but my mom had a friend from kindergarten, um, believe it or not, that she kept in contact with and she went to church with the man that owned the company that I went to work for. And she just happened to ask some questions when I was about 17 about what were the, her, my mom's boys up to. And she mentioned I was looking for a job and she put in the good word for me. So my mom's friend from kindergarten, who my mom kept in touch with, helped me get the job. It taught me my profession, but more importantly, put me in amongst uh, a bunch of Christian young men that took an interest into me, and so many good things in my life has flowed from my mom and keeping a dear friend. And I thank God uh, for Joe Allen and uh, my mom's friend, who's now gone on to be with the Lord. But, um, you know, for what people I really didn't know very well, but what a difference they made in my life. We uh, get a chance here to look in the Gospel of John in chapter 11. And it's the story of the Lord Jesus raising Lazarus. And I'd like to start in verse 18 and read it here. It says, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews uh, came to uh, Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. And then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. 
And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother uh, shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall, shall he live. And whatsoever... And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she had heard that, she rose and quickly came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet coming to the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth to the grave to weep there. And then went Mary and came where Jesus was and saw him and fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not die? Jesus therefore again groaned in himself, Cometh to the grave, and it was a cave, and a stone was laid upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Now we'll read the rest of it in a few minutes in the glorious resurrection bodily, as far as uh, giving back natural life that was given to uh, Lazarus, our Lord Jesus Christ at this time. But the thing that's interesting in these verses, to me, something that jumped out to me, is that in verse 27, Martha makes the comment that she said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Now she admits she believes he's the Christ, the Son of God. Now let me ask you this. Is there anything going to catch the Son of God by surprise? Is there going to anything catch God the Son by surprise? But Martha, in her human reasoning, decided to bring the Lord up to speed on something here. And she said, he's been in the grave four days and, you know, and he stinketh by now. Now, again, in verse 27, just a short time before, she acknowledged that he's God. And yet she, in her capacity of, you know, knowing these things and needing to straighten the Lord out a little bit, you know, just gave this precaution that, you know, he's gonna, it's not going to be pleasant when we roll this stone back. But, again, the question that we ask ourselves in hindsight, you know, looking at the situation, did Jesus know what he was going to do? You know, he did. And she had just admitted in her own words that she knew he was God. And yet she, in her human reasoning, came up with a reason not to follow his instructions. 
And the thing is, we have to ask ourselves in our own life, once we become saved and we know Jesus is Lord, that we know that he's the Christ, that he's God the Son, not just the Son of God, but God the Son. And yet we read in the Scriptures and God the Holy Spirit will sometimes, either the Word of God will specifically say, give us a command, or God the Holy Spirit will bring to light in our lives something that we see out of the Scriptures And yet, what is one of the first things we tend to do? Is give the Lord excuses or explain to the Lord how he's mistaken in this area. Like, uh, and, you know, I realize on a Wednesday night crowd that you usually have the very faithful and stuff, but there's, there's things in here that we can learn. But, you know, there's a lot of folks that, you know, just need to set the Lord down and explain to the Lord that there is no way that a hundred or that 90% of your money can go as far as 100%. And so, you know, I need to keep this. Now, maybe I can give 2% or maybe I can give 2.5%, but, you know, asking for this 10% business, you know, you, you know, you just need to understand you don't know my bills, you don't know my circumstances. And we insert human logic into a very clear command that the Lord gives us, and that is that we're to be tithers. And the thing is, if you sit there and take um, math and you use human logic, there is no way that 90% will go as far as 100%. It's just math proves the point. But then you go into the book of Malachi where the Lord says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And you get to realizing that what does that scripture mean to me in today? Okay, my teeth won't fall out of my head. The car engine won't break down. The refrigerator will continue to run. The washing machine will continue to run. And lo and behold, when you include God in the equation, 90% can go further than 100%. And lo and behold, the Lord knows what he's talking about after all. And I can give a testimony in my life that God's been very faithful to take care of my needs. But you also look at it in, in, you know, again, I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd and I know it. Um, but how many people understand what the scriptures say about not forsaking the gathering of the brethren? In other words, when the church doors are open, we know where we're supposed to be. And thank God you all are right here. But how many of us have heard, well, you know, the Lord understands that you need some time off or the Lord understands this and there's all different type of uh, examples. We, you know, I've had lots of people that um, can't make it to Sunday school and stuff because of softball or different activities that your children are involved in. And the Lord, of course, you know, all I need to do is be able to sit down with them and I can straighten them out and share with them in human logic why that needs to be that way. And then, again, in Christian service, well, you know, I just... I can't speak real well. Well, you know, you know, I, I admit that the Lord's given me the victory. But when I was um, four years old, I came down with hepatitis and nearly died of it. When I was 10 years old, I weighed 58 pounds. Now, like I said, God's given me the victory, and I've overcome that. Uh, but I was short, and I was anything my head could go through, I could get the rest of me through. I'll put it that way, because I've crawled through some little teeny holes before in that day. and uh, But because of it, it didn't take hardly any size bully at all. If you just needed 
to flex his muscles. Well, where's Rick anyway? And he, you know, he'd hunt me up. And because of it, I was very shy. I was quiet. You wouldn't have caught me in front of a group. Even today, when I go to a restaurant, I like to be against a wall. I don't want to be out there in the middle. It's just not where I feel comfortable. And yet, look what the Lord's called me into. He gave me the job of being a president of my company, and so I have to be a spokesman for my company. He's called me to be a teacher, and lo and behold, the pastor thinks every once in a while I need to be here. And, and so, you know, the thing is, if you'd ask me, you know, where I ought to be, it'd be sitting right somewhere, you know, not up here, but God calls us out of things. In fact, most of the pastors that I have known were not very outspoken people in their personal life. They were more quiet people. A lot of times they could sit in a room and enjoy a lot of people's fellowshipping around them, and you wouldn't hear them chime in two or three words unless they were asked a question. And yet God called them into a very public job to do. And so, again, as saved people, a lot of times we know what the Scriptures teach us to do, and yet we find human logic to explain why we shouldn't be busy doing those things. And we need to just realize how silly that is and to realize God doesn't make any mistakes. He is perfect. And when we see a clear command in the Word of God, there's, there's just really no reason to try to even talk your way out of it. It isn't going to hold up. And when God the Holy Spirit reveals and calls you and leads you into something, be willing to not try to talk the Lord out of it. Because if he's called you, he knows how to outfit you to do what you need to do. But we look at the practical thing here. Now, what, again, what was the Lord going to give to Lazarus? He was going to give him back physical life, Right. And was that stone going to be a help to him or a hindrance to him as far as living that natural life after he got resurrected? I mean, all bound up in those grave clothes. We'll read the rest of the story here, starting in verse 40. And Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hast hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he said, uh, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot in the grave cloth, and his face was bound with a napkin, and Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Now can you imagine being in that cave all bound up, you know, in the linen deals? They said hand and foot. He was all tied up. He had a napkin over his face. You know, he was going to, that, that stone, that stone rock, that big stone in front of that cave, that's going to be a real hindrance to him, was it not? Until it got rolled away, he was in a world of hurt. I mean, he was alive, but it might have been better if he wasn't. Because, you know, he's, he's kind of hindered by that stone. Well, in our Christian life, you know, we need to ask ourselves, and even before we come to the point of accepting faith, we need to look at the stones that we leave in our way. The Lord sits there and tells us that he wants to give us life and give us life more abundantly. And yet we sometimes leave stones 
in the way that hinder the Lord's ability to give us that more abundant life. He wants to give it. He gave Lazarus life, and yet if they'd have left that stone in the way, he couldn't have enjoyed it very much, could he? Couldn't have been very fruitful. Uh, it's kind of like the story of the man that woke up in the casket, and he said, you know, if I'm alive, why am I in here? And if I'm dead, why do I got to go to the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. The the thing is, you know, if he'd have been left in that cave all bound up and that stone in front of it, it just wouldn't have been too good on him. But we look at a lot of folks that hear the gospel, and they know in their heart that what they're hearing is the truth. And yet they come up with all sorts of human reasoning of why they cling to their unbelief instead of putting their confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, um, I don't know why I didn't get saved the first time I heard the gospel. I know one day, finally, thank God, that uh, Satan had me confused that I was saved when I knew it wasn't because the convicting of the Holy Spirit was so powerful. I should have been able to reason that out. I don't know why I didn't. I don't know if I was clinging to things, but one day, thank God, the preacher preached a message, and he stopped in the middle of the message and said, you don't have to remember the day, the week, the month, or even the year you got saved. But he said, you do need to remember a time when your life took on a change. And that's when Satan lost his argument with me. I realized whatever I thought I had done back when I was 13, it hadn't got the job done. I hadn't changed. I was the same man that I was before. And I realized then, once and for all, I was lost. And so then I went, but the thing is, I took care of it. You know, by the grace of God, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and I haven't been the same. But the thing is, a lot of times we have people that hear the gospel, they know what they're hearing is the truth, and yet by unbelief, whatever it is they're clinging to in their unbelief, they won't accept the Lord Jesus Christ. But then after we do get saved, and God wants to give us that more abundant life, he wants to bless us, he wants to lead us into things, you know, I've had the privilege of leading over 50 folks to the Lord. I don't really know how many, to tell you the truth. But if I hadn't, and most of them have been accomplished through teaching. I used to work with children, and I got the privilege to lead a lot of children to the Lord. And then as a more in an adult teacher, I've had the chance to counsel with people and lead people to the Lord what if when the Lord laid it on my heart to have been a Sunday school teacher, I'd have said no? You know, and kind of used the excuses that, you know, I I'm just wasn't that outgoing person. I was that one who wanted to stay against the back wall. Well, just think of how I would have shortchanged my rewards in heaven. And then what if I was to write, evidently the Lord used me to lead these people to the Lord, and I'm thankful for the opportunity that I had. There's a, if you've never had the privilege of leading someone to the Lord, there's a, short of your own salvation or the salvation of your own dear loved ones, there is no neater feeling than being used of God to share the gospel and someone gets saved. But, um, you know, what if I had said no and I, my chemistry, my vernacular for the good or bad, but whatever the chemistry was, that's what helped that person come to the saving knowledge of Christ, and yet I, what if I hadn't done it? When I stood before my God, I'd have to give an account for that. 
So the thing is, we need to just be careful of the stones that we leave in front of that abundant life that God wants us to live. First of all, it needs to not be, we need to get rid of the unbelief and accept the Lord as Savior. And then secondly, we need to look at any sins that we're playing with. Again, I know who I'm talking to, and it's the Wednesday night crowd and the people who love the Lord and are faithful to the Lord. But we need to realize that if we're clinging, if we're playing with sin in any way, it's going to hinder us in so many ways because we're not going to really want to talk to our Heavenly Father like we should because we know what He's going to talk to us about. And so we just shy away from things, and we, we live a lot smaller life than God wants us to live. And it's that stone of sin that we won't roll away. But we could also have the sin of pride, and, and that will get us into a world of trouble. Things that uh, we, for whatever reason, we have not, um, we got our feelings hurt, and we let pride cause a grief. Or we, we stumble in a ministry, and I'm just not going to let that happen again, so we walk away from that. There's just so, you know, I've heard the saying many a time, and I've used it in teaching many a times, that there's a lot of things that get us in trouble, but it's usually pride that keeps us there. And we know that we're hurting ourselves, and yet we just won't deal with it. And we leave that stone of pride in the way of God's willingness to give us that more abundant life. And then I think one of the things that holds us back the most in this walk of life, because in Christian, to, to walk as Christian life, what does call, the Lord call each of us into? When we call, we call him say, our Lord, right? What does that make us? If he's the Lord, what are we? We're servants. And we're supposed to be Christ-like. And this world has a theory, and this world is get all you can get any way you can get it. Just don't get caught. And that's the Antichrist. That's the message that this world teaches. This is what the world system teaches. But to be in service, it's a matter of giving all the time. Finding ways to serve other people, because the only way you can serve Christ is by serving others. And, and so a lot of times one of the things that holds us back from the stepping out is fear. The fear of the unknown. You know, you're going to have to invest yourself in people to serve. And guess what? People are bad about putting a knife in your back sometimes. You know, our pastors made the comment that his first pastor shared with him if you're going to get, go into the ministry, you need to realize that those you invest in the most are the ones who are going to hurt you the most. And he talked about having a tender heart but a hide like a rhinoceros. And, and the thing is, it's true, but it's still worth it. Just think what it cost Christ to, to come down and be the servant that he was, unto, you know, obedient unto death. And so the realization is I think a lot of things that hold us back from different ministries is fear. And yet we can look in the scriptures in John chapter 15. I may want to actually go to John 14. Yeah, let's go to John 14. The Gospel of John chapter 14. 
and our Lord Jesus speaking, talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit. We studied it in Sunday school uh, just last week. And in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The thing is, the Lord Jesus Christ, if he calls you into something, he's going to be there with you. He's going to empower you. He's going to give you the insights, the wisdom to do the jobs that he calls you into. Yes, people may take advantage of that. People may take advantage of you as an individual. People may hurt your feelings. People may, you know, say things about your family that really get your blood a-boiling. And the thing is, at the end of the day, all we can do is not be afraid to be obedient. Because the Lord calls us, if we call him Lord, and if he's God, and he's Lord, and he's our Savior, then we're the servants. And when the Word of God clearly specifies something we need to do, we need to step out. When God the Holy Spirit uses a verse and reveals to us something that he'd have us to get involved in, we need to step out. But the thing is, it'll be natural to have fear But the thing is, that fear is that stone that we've got to roll away. And how do we quell the fear? Well, we quell it by claiming the promises of the Word of God. We're not stepping out by blind faith. We're stepping out on promises of the Word of God that God has to support. He's given us these promises, and he cannot lie. And so we have a promise and a commitment that we can stand on. And then we can live that more abundant life. But there's going to be new challenges, new hurdles that will come up every day, new opportunities that God will stretch us. But the thing is, that's where the victories come from, too. You know, the old saying, where does fruit grow? It grows on the limbs. So where do you got to go to get the fruit? You got to go out on the limbs sometime. And it's scary, But the thing is, that fear is Satan trying to hinder you, trying to roll the stone in front of God's abundant life that he wants to give us. And we just have to realize what Satan's busy about doing and realize that, yes, we're weak in the flesh, but we've got some awesome promises supported by a God that cannot lie. And we've got that abundant life that we can claim if we will. I want to thank you all for your attention tonight.